Now, I'm looking down here at Shana and Sam, and she is telling me, she said, she said, he was so sick, and she said, and I prayed for him, and he got well, he got better, and here he is this morning, and I am praise the Lord for that, <clears throat> amen. I told Shana, I said, don't be surprised because prayer works, right? I mean, we've been saying that for a long time, prayer works, and then, but isn't it funny, it's like the, the lady that went to the door when the apostle came, he'd, in, he'd been in prison and the church was gathered together and they're praying and he got free, set free by God and he goes to the house where they're praying and they wouldn't open the door because they were so surprised at what God had done. I tell you, there are times in life when God surprises us so beautifully and I'm thankful that he does, aren't you? Amen, amen. Wonderful day to be in the Lord's house. This is the day that the Lord has made, and what? All right, praise the Lord. I see smiles today, and that's a good thing. It's always a good thing to see smiles on the faces of God's people. So thank you for being here today. I trust that you've had a good week and are anticipating a nice week coming up. Praise the Lord. Let me just jump on to what, the, uh, what Pastor John said earlier uh, concerning the letter that we got from our bishop. Uh, he, for the sake of time, he didn't read the entire thing. Uh, but in addition to the uh, over $6,000 that our congregation uh, raised for the tornado um, situation, when you combine all of the Church of God congregations across the state of Kentucky... Uh, we raised over $140,000 that we were able to put into the churches down in that area to help them uh, be able to get their feet on the ground. So praise the Lord for that. And then I also want to remind you that this year uh, we decided to take on, uh, to extend, if you will, our missions project in New Zealand. And uh, things are going really well there. The first year they, they had to get all the construction teams together and the, uh, the plans for earthquake proofing the building there in Amaru and they have now done that and they have started the process of pulling in the construction teams and doing the work. So uh, this, the, the Dupu family who are our missionaries on the ground there are doing a wonderful work and in the midst of doing physical labor uh, they're seeing souls one on a regular basis there and, and particularly among the young people that are in that community. And so we just praise the Lord for that. And we believe that the seed that we are putting in the ground here in Louisville, Kentucky, is part of what God is doing there and enabling them to do things that they could not do otherwise. So I know that many of you signed up for uh, a recurring gift. You can either do that through the World Missions Department but really, the best way for you to do it is right here through the local church. You can just write a separate check from your tithe check, or if you want to add that in, or you can do it online. There's a, uh, there's a box where you can click the World Missions Project. Uh, however you'd like to do that will be fine, and we're going to stay with this project through the remainder of this year. So we're coming to the end of January. Can you believe it? This is the last Sunday of January, and that next month will be February. And the only thing I really like about February is it's the month of love. Amen. 
I like that. I like those Valentines. And I was kidding with uh, Dave and Jenny this morning. She'd gotten her chapstick out and handed it over to D Dave, and he was going to put some on. I say, you know, the best way to do that is for Jenny to put it on her lips first and then transfer it to your lips through a kiss. And Dave, <laughs> Dave said, I like the way you think. Amen. So February, the month of love, is coming up, and we'll... Uh, we'll be able to experience the love of Christ in our lives for sure. I don't know, I just sense a, um, a spirit of encouragement here today. Uh, I, as a pastor, you know, I can kind of gauge the crowd and gauge, you know, the way people are, are, are feeling and emotionally. And, and we all know that these have been difficult times the last couple of years, really. And, uh, but yet God is our encourager, amen? And he is the source of everything that we have need of. So today, I'm going to preach for a little while on what I have entitled the trifecta of encouragement. And if you have your Bibles and you'd like to grab those, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Are the screens on? I got, There it is. I see it back there now. I was just being impatient and wasn't, wasn't quite um, patient enough. I want us to, to talk about a few things from 1 John chapter 4, but I want to talk about this idea of receiving encouragement. But let's pray together right now. Father, thank you uh, for this beautiful worship this morning. And, and if I could just take a moment, Lord, to thank you for our singers and musicians, our prayer teams, our, our volunteers. They have done such a wonderful job. A splendid job during this time when the crowd has been a little lower than usual and we've had difficult times that we've had to face but those who are involved in these ministries have just stayed the course and they have given themselves faithfully and I'm grateful to you that you have uh, gifted them to be able to bless our congregation in the ways that they do now, Lord, we turn to your word for a few moments, and I pray that you will encourage us by the word of God, that you will strengthen our soul and strengthen our spirit, and that you will help us to be able to receive and hear from you what will encourage our lives and that will move us closer to total and complete maturity and victory in you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, this word trifecta is a fairly new word. Uh, it was a recent addition to the English language and first appeared in the dictionary in the 1970s. Now, we Louisville people understand what trifecta is, correct? It is a horse racing term that betters win when they select the first, second, and third place finishers and they are chosen in the correct order. So it's hard to do. It's very difficult to achieve. But when someone is able to hit the trifecta, then the payout is much larger because of their ability to do that. But now since the 1970s, this term trifecta has been broadened and, in you is, and is used in different meanings in different ways. So, for instance, now it also refers to a group of three usually desirable things. And so anytime that you have three things, 
we use the term trifecta. So it, it, it's expanding in this uh, society in the way that we use it. So I was thinking about that, and I thought about how currently we are living in a very discouraging day. I mean, there are a lot of things. I mean, if you get past even the sickness, you realize that the world that we're living in, the, the economy now, they're talking about having to take uh, some different measures in order to get the, the economy moving in the right direction now. Relationships have seemed to really struggle during this time uh, for the last couple of years. And I could go on and on and on listing things that have brought a sense of discouragement to our world and to our society. But in the face of discouragement, I want to say to you today that we serve a God who is the great encourager. He is able to encourage our soul and encourage our spirit. And I got to thinking about that, and it came to me that the omniscient God who possesses all knowledge is aware of the suffering of all of mankind. So it doesn't matter what way that we may be suffering, the omniscient God knows all about it. The omnipresent God has promised to always be present in our lives. There's never a time when we are without God in our presence and in, in our lives. And then the omnipotent God who holds all power and authority in his hands has proven his willingness to utilize that power to ease our burdens. And so God, oftentimes, we see this trifecta as it describes who he is. We see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In this example that I just gave to you, he is the omniscient God, he is the omnipresent God, and he is the omnipotent God. So oftentimes we see this trifecta in Scripture and in the spiritual realm. So today... I would like to talk to you about how that God is actively releasing encouragement into our lives. He's not withholding from us. He is pouring it out upon us if we will receive it. So how many of you need to be encouraged today? Can I see your hands? Amen. A lot of hands going up everywhere in the house. So this will be an important message for us to grasp today. There are three ways that God encourages his people. The first one is that God encourages us by his presence. Now, in John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, let me just stop long enough to say that what he is saying is to these people, he said, Look, I know you believe in God. 
I know you do. You've had the scrolls with you all of these years. You've been taught the law, and you believe in God. But I want you, as you believe in God, to also believe in me, that I am Jesus. I am the Son of the living God. I came so that I could lay down my life so that the penalty for sin could be paid. He wanted them to believe him and to believe in him the way that they believed in God the Father. And then in verse 16 through 18, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So in other words, Jesus is saying to them that you don't have to worry about being alone. I am going to be with you. Now, that makes sense to us, but it didn't make any sense to them because Jesus was saying two things. His message was mixed. He was saying, I have to go away. I will come again someday, but I have to go away. I'm going to be leaving you. I'm not going to always be in your presence the way that I currently am. And so they couldn't understand how Jesus could say, I will always be with you, and yet I have to go away and do the work that I have been called to do. It was confusing to them. They could not understand it. So he had to explain to them. And he said, I am going away, but I'm going to ask the Father to send another one to you that is exactly like I am, but he's not going to be limited in the ways that I am because Jesus could only be at one place at a time because he was restricted by human body. But he said, the one that comes after me is going to be around you, but he is also going to be in you so that no matter where you are at any given time the presence of God the presence of the Messiah the presence of the Holy Spirit will be with you and give you what you need now he uses two words in the Greek to explain this the first word that he uses is for the comforter that would come he calls him a comforter a comforter could be described in any of these ways. A comforter can be a counselor, someone who gives you advice when you need advice. He could be described as a helper. Have you ever needed somebody to pick up the other end of the log for you while you're trying to work, while you're trying to do something? He could be a helper. Donna was doing the laundry yesterday, and she had, she had filled up the area where our hanging clothes could be, and she said, before I can do the rest of them, I would like for you to take these and go ahead and put them in the closet. And so I wasn't doing the laundry, but I was helping the one who was doing the laundry. Laundry. And so I helped her by taking those clothes to the closets where they needed to be. And so what Jesus is saying is, when this helper comes, when this comforter comes, he's going to help you carry the load in your life. 
He's going to give you the assistance that you need. It could also mean advocate. Now, advocate is someone who stands up on behalf of someone else. It's someone who, if you will, fights their case if necessary. He says this Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in you is going to be an advocate who will always be there to help you and to advocate on your behalf. And then he calls him the comforter. A comforter is, is like a whole big bean, a, a whole big bowl of beans and cornbread. It's a, that's comfort food. Or, or maybe mashed potatoes and gravy. Or, or maybe you like, uh, you like chicken and dumplings or whatever it is that you like. There are sometimes in life I get so sick of eating the keto, low carb, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I just need a piece of good old-fashioned apple pie with a little scoop of ice cream on the top of it. And when I feel like I need to have it, I, I just go ahead and sit down and eat it because I'm not going to spend days and days and days wanting something that I know that I can have if I'll make other adjustments in my life. And so I just sit down, get me a bowl of a bowl and put some, uh, some apple pie in it and a little ice cream and then just eat it very, very slowly. That's the time where you just take one bite at a time and enjoy it. And then when the sugar rush hits you, just say, Praise God, glory, hallelujah. My body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I had too much sugar, and now my sugar's high, and so I got to do something to get it back down. Listen, there are always adjustments that we can make, but there are times that we just need to be comforted. There are times, and I had to learn this with my wife when we first got married, I discovered that she didn't want me to always tell her how to do something. She would come and tell me what the problem was, and me being the guy, I would just say, well, if you'll do A, B, C, and D, then this will work, and that'll happen, and she'd get upset with me or frustrated with me because she didn't really want me to tell her how to do it. Really, all she wanted was for me to just pat her back and pull her close and hug her and give her a little kiss on the cheek and let her know that you will get through this, and if you do need any help, I'll be glad to to assist in any way that I can. So the, the Lord is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, he's always going to be there with you, inside of you, uh, to wrap you with love in those moments when you need to be comforted. And then it also could mean encourager. I don't know if you have anybody of your life that is a discourager or not. But there are people in this world that they just seem to discourage everybody around them. Got bad attitudes, they're always talking things down, always making negative comments, never a happy moment in their lives. And to be very honest, they're not real easy to be around. Amen? But I want you to know that what God is saying is the Holy Spirit within you is there not to discourage you, but to encourage you and to lift you up and restore unto you the joy of the salvation of the Lord. Aren't you glad that he is our encourager? But then he says, he uses a second word, and it comes out, being translated as comfortless, comfortless. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. 
I will not abandon you is what he's saying. He's saying, I myself will come to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now that word literally means orphan. So what he's saying is, is that you won't have to worry, worry about being an orphan when you have my spirit with you. You will never be alone. You will never be out there without someone uh, with you. I will not leave you comfortless. You ever felt like God had just abandoned you? Have you ever felt like that he just was not concerned with you at all? I want you to know that when you feel that way, that there is no spiritual truth to that at all. It is a lie from the enemy of our soul, the devil, who wants you to feel alone, who wants you to be discouraged. But Jesus said in that moment, when you feel that, you need to remember that I told you I'd never leave you like an orphan. I would never leave you alone, that the Holy Spirit, Spirit will always be with you. So the first thing is he encourages us by his presence. The second thing is that God encourages us by his promises. Now I want you to look at chapter 14 in John verses 26 and 27. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what he's saying here is, is that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you about what I have promised is going to take place in this world. My promises will come true. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you and with you to help you remember what those promises are, then you may forget what God has said about a particular thing. But the Holy Spirit will be there to encourage you and let you know that this is what the promises of God are. Now, in this early church in Thessalonica, Paul had established this church, but historians tell us that after he, after he started this church, about three weeks later, he had to leave. And so you got three weeks of brand new Christians. <clears throat> now, that could be good and that could be bad. The good thing about brand new Christians is, is that they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of excitement. But, but they don't always have a lot of knowledge about what the Word of God and the promises of God are. So you have a good thing. The bad thing, too, about young Christians is, is that they're novices in the Word of God. They don't understand what the Word has to say. They may be able to quote it, but they may not always know what it means. And so now Paul has started this church with all these new converts, and then Paul has to leave. And there's some questions that came up in their mind. And one of the questions that they were struggling with is, what are we going going to do when we die before Jesus comes. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. This is very familiar. But it says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, <clears throat> that you may not grieve as others do uh, who have no hope. For since we believe, 
that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Keep that fresh in your mind, that phrase. By a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And now notice verse 18. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What he's saying is, is that you young Christians, here's what you need to know. If one of you dies before the Lord comes back, don't worry about it. God's got it all covered because Jesus is coming again. All those who have died and have been laid in the grave, they're going to rise. And then we which remain and are alive in Christ, we're going to be caught up together with him and the Lord in the air. And we will forever be together with him in heaven. Aren't you glad? that God knew that those questions would arise, and so there was an answer through the Spirit for them. Now, here's what I want to say to you this morning. Timothy uh, received a, a letter from Paul. Timothy's a young pastor. He doesn't know everything that he should know, and so Paul is trying to encourage him about how to be a good young pastor, and here's what he says. He says, give attendance to reading the Word of God. He said, exhort the people. That word exhort means encourage them, lift them up. And then he says, give them doctrine. Look at your neighbor and say, give them doctrine. And then he writes again to Timothy later on, and here's what he says. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke exhort, there's that word encourage again, with all long suffering and doctrine. I, you know, in recent months, it seems like I have heard so much about this allergy to doctrine. I don't, I don't want to hear about doctrine. I don't, I don't want some preacher telling me about doctrine. Well, let me tell you something. As a preacher, I am commanded to preach what's in this book. And this book includes a lot of things. It includes history. It includes poetry. It includes songs. But it also includes doctrine. Now, the reason that we need doctrine is because it is so easy to get away from what the Bible teaches and just live by our feelings. Now, I ask the Lord to help me to say this right because I don't want you to think I'm jealous or because I have some kind of offended spirit within me or whatever. I don't. But I'm telling you, we've got to have more in our lives 
than a 30-second snippet from a well-known preacher on Facebook and Instagram in our life if we're going to be successful. Now listen, I could sit up late at night and think about these catchy little phrases that I could put on Instagram and make you feel real good, make you feel like, man, I can do anything. The problem is, is that we tend to always think about the positive things that we want to happen in our lives. We want to make more money. And so we can be told by these 30-second snippets that everybody can be rich. And that's not true. Because if you're not a tither, which is, by the way, doctrine, then you cannot expect God to bless you financially because you are in violation of the Word of God. You're not doing what God's Word says to do. I know people who say, well, I just have a great relationship with, indiv with this individual. But if that relationship is in violation to the doctrine of the Word of God, we can't expect God to bless us. Now, hold on. Put your seatbelts on. Are you ready? Got them on? If there's dysfunction in your household, it may be because you're not abiding by the doctrine that has been established by the Word of God. Now, my wife is my partner. My wife is my partner. We stand together. Scripture says that the two become one when we are married together. But when it comes to who the lead is in our family, it's me. Not because I'm stubborn and not because I'm arrogant, but because God has established the husband to be the head of the house. Now, when's the last time you heard that from a pulpit? You say, well, what if I'm single? That's okay, you can be single. Bible says there are some people that are not meant to be married because by being married, they'd have to give a lot of their attention to a spouse. But by being single, they can be used more greatly by God and His Spirit by remaining single. There are people who've been married and got divorced, and the Bible says that's okay. There are certain times that divorce can be the right thing to do. If there has been, for instance, adultery in the, in the marriage, then you don't have to remain in that marriage. You can. You can forgive and stay. But you also have a legal and a spiritual right to walk away if that's what you want to do. The problem is that you have to remain unmarried. You say, what, 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 wait, what? You mean I can't get version 2.0? Well, if the adultery was the fault of someone else, then yes, you can get married again. You're free to do that. The scripture says that. But if you were the one who committed the adultery, then according to Scripture, you have to remain single for the rest of your life. You say, I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to be a Mormon now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be something else. I ain't putting up with that mess. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to encourage us. And he wants to encourage us by his word. But the problem is that there are too many times that we don't like his word. We don't want his word. We don't want to live according to what his word tells us to do. We'd rather do it ourselves. 
and we just sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus every now and then to, because it makes us feel good. And then we wonder why we're discouraged. And we wonder why we can't make it. And we wonder why things are falling apart. It's because God has given us a word, but we don't want the word that he has given us. And so we try to fix it ourselves. Are you guys okay? I, I warned you. I told you to put the seatbelt on. And if you didn't, then you're just falling left and right and back and forward, and you're getting ready to pass out. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to suggest to you that you're never going to get to where you want to be until you are willing to accept the word that God gives. God has always worked through a word. When he spoke to Abraham and told him to leave his, <clears throat> his home and, and to go to the place where he would show him, he started that process with a word. When he spoke to Noah and said, I'm getting ready to destroy this earth as it is, and I want you to go and build an ark, you know what it started with? A word. Jonah is a good example. God gave him a word, said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to those who are unsaved, and I'm going to save them. He had a word, but Jonah did not like the word that God gave him. So here's the point I'm trying to make. You want to be encouraged? You're going to have to take the word that God gives you and obey what that word is if you're ever going to experience the kind of victory and maturity that you are expecting to receive. It's his word. So, well, I don't like it. Well, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. You submit to the Word of God. And when you submit to the Word of God, then God is positioned so that He can bring your victory into your possession. The Word of God. I could go on and on and on. But what I, the main point here is, is that if you want him to encourage you, you've got to be willing to, to, to let him speak a word into your life. Now listen, there are some charlatans out there that would be more than happy to speak good words to you. I know, I know churches that sell them for 25 bucks a pop. I, I prophesy over you if you'll give me the money. Now listen, that's not the way God works. <clears throat> it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> I'm going to post a good word because it will bring people into my ministry and help me grow my church. But if that word is contrary to what the word of God has to say. I started uh, <clears throat> a while back, I started doing this. I, if I see a meme on Instagram or Facebook and it's somebody <clears throat> giving me some kind of prophecy, I usually comment on it and say, scriptural reference, please. And so well, you're mean. No, I'm not mean. I just want to make sure that what I'm looking at is backed by scripture. Because if it's not backed by scripture, I don't care how good it feels. I don't care how good it makes your flesh feel. I don't care. You said, well, I believe this all my life, but now because I feel something differently, then I believe something differently. Listen, don't let your feelings 
change your doctrinal beliefs because your doctrinal beliefs are rooted in the Word of God. And once God establishes His Word, let me tell you, there's a, there's a great penalty for changing the Word of God, for, for twisting the Word of God. And I try to recognize that every time that I come to this pulpit and realize that I am responsible to make sure that I preach the Word of God effectively and the way that God wants it to be preached. I learned in preacher school. There are a lot of things I didn't learn in preacher school. You know that, right? You know, I just, I wasn't a good learner, I guess. So, but there are some things that I did learn, and I did learn this. Every passage of Scripture that you will ever read had an original intent. And the original intent was the intent that God had when he anointed a man or a woman to write that scripture and write that verse. And if we twist it or misapply it, then we will miss the original intent of what God was trying to say to his people. Everybody okay? Praise the Lord. Move on, pastor. I know. Preach the word, be instant, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And thirdly, and my, my last point is this, God encourages his people by his people. We've heard a lot, come help me quit if you will, we've, we've heard a lot over the last couple of years about those kinds of things that are transmissible. It mostly has to do with viruses and sickness and all that. But do you, did you know that encouragement is transmissible? Did you know that when you're trying to lift somebody else and encourage them, that the encouragement of God oftentimes comes through you? I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. It says this, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Say no rest. You ever felt like that? Our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn. We were fighting outside and there was fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing and your mourning and your zeal for me so that I rejoiced still more. Let me see if I can illustrate to you what what happened. Paul was discouraged. He was in a rough spot. He was struggling. You remember he said, he said, my body had no rest at all. I was discouraged. You ever been there? There have been times I was sitting in my lazy boy recliner and I knew that I needed to get up and I didn't know if I could get up or not. I was so tired. Now, you've never been that tired. I was tired. My body hurt. And then you start to get up. When you get up, 
you hear this snap, crackle, pop. And it ain't your Rice Krispies. It's your body. And you're just tired. And you're exhausted. And you're worn out. Sometimes it's because you're in bondage. And sometimes it's because you're in prison. And sometimes it's because everything that you had hoped would go a certain way was going absolutely the opposite way than what you had planned for it to go. And you're thinking, I have no hope whatsoever. I don't know what I'm going to do. Gee, Paul, will you come up here and help me preach for a minute? Can you do that? And then I look down the road, and this guy named Titus came to me. I have no strength in my body. I have no help, nothing. And Titus shows up. You know what Titus did? The Bible tells us what he did. Titus says, let me tell you about all the people back home that are praying for you and talking good things about you and saying things about you that are good. They miss you. They're praying for God's best blessings upon your life. And they've sent me here today to tell you how much they love you and appreciate you. And he was encouraged because Titus came. I didn't ask G. Paul to put his arm around me and hug me, and you can't even feel right now the strength of his arm as he's tugging on me and pulling on me and hugging me. Don't kiss me. Okay. Hey, no way. Okay, no way, he said. But he's encouraging me. He has come to me. And he brought the message from so many other people that you're not alone. You may be struggling right now that you are not alone. I'm here. And they are praying for you and encouraging you. Thank you, Chief Paul. I love you. And that's what Paul's saying. For those of you who are online with us today, thank you. I'm glad you're online with us today. I really am. I know some of you are still sick. I know that another week down the road, and you will not be able to stay out of church because you will, you will be so tired of staying at home and watching me on TV that you'll come to church. But for right now, you're out there. You say, Pastor, why do you keep telling us we need you to come to church? Why do you keep posting on Facebook? I, you know, come on to church. We need you. I, I want you to be here. You know why? Because when you're not here, it's discouraging. When these seats are empty, it causes us to forget all that God has done for us through the years. Listen, I was here when none of us really knew whether or not we were going to survive or not as a church. I was here then. I remember all that. But you know what happened? God started doing one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. 
And he was saying to us, I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with the influence of this church on this community. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the ones that you need with you. I'm going to take some of them away, and they're going to go somewhere else. Sadly, there are some that are going to leave altogether because of their hurt and pain and, and discouragement. But I'm going to send you people from the east and the west and the north and the south. I'm going to send them to you. And you're going to build a productive ministry here in this community. You may not be the largest church in town, but I ain't worried about that anyway. Because when I get to heaven, the Lord's not going to say, way to go. You took nothing and you made it the largest church in Louisville and in Kentucky. He ain't going to say that to me. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what he's going to say to us if we've been faithful to his call. But let me just make sure that you're clear on this. I can't do it without you. This church can't do it without you. Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. And you know through the years I have discovered how right he is about that here's the point I'm trying to make. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to come to church early, not at the last minute, hoping that the pastor won't have to shake my hand and all that kind of stuff. We ought to come early. Well, I'll just walk up and down these aisles and say, man, I'm glad to see you today. You're looking good. Sam, I'm glad to see you today. I'm so glad God healed you. You didn't have to take a pill. You didn't have to take a You didn't take anything. You just got healed by prayer. Isn't that great? Lee, I like you. Phil, you're one of the most resilient men that I know. I mean, the devil's tried to take you out so many times that I've lost count. And here you are. I watched you this morning during choir practice when there's nobody else here. Just the singers and just you sitting out here in this seat all by yourself. And you're listening to us sing and you're tapping your hand. I look down your foot's going on about like this a little bit. And we got down to that one little verse, that one little chorus that says, I exalt thee. I exalt thee. And I look back and I saw your lips start moving. I exalt thee. You're singing out here. You're worshiping. I'm up there playing the bass guitar. And I'm watching you worship in choir practice when there's nobody else here. But you came early because your wife's part of the prayer team and she's in another building. You're sitting here worshiping before anybody even gets here. And you know what it did to me? It made me want to play the bass a little better than I've ever played it before. It made me couldn't wait until I got to preach this message today because you became a Titus in my life and encouraged me and lifted me and exalted me. And I'm so thankful for that. There have been several of you today asked me, where's, where's your grandson? What's up with him? And I just, you know me, I ain't going to shoot no bull to anybody. 
Oh, wait a minute. You're not supposed to say that when you're preaching. See, I told you I didn't learn everything. I, and I'm just telling I'm telling you, he needs prayer. He doesn't need judgment. He, he doesn't need fingers being pointed and all that. He just needs prayer. And I know you're praying. And that's an encouragement to me. Because Grammy and I are praying. Grammy and I sometimes are up in the middle of the night praying. Because I don't know what else to do but pray. <laughs> I hate to say that. I hate it when people say that, and I hate it when I say it. Because it, like, it seems like prayer is the last resort. Prayer is not the last resort. Prayer is the very first thing that we ought to do when we come in to difficulties in our life. You say, well, what are you going to do if he sees it on the live stream? I'm going to say, come on home, boy. I love you. Grammy and Pops love you. Mom and Dad love you. You're loved. Come on back. There's a place for you. Welcome home. I say that about mine. I'll say it about yours. I'll say it about any of our loved ones that are right now currently away in their relationship from Christ. Come on home. It's a, it, there's no place like home. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. So what am I saying? I'm saying God encourages us by just being present in our lives through the Holy Spirit. God encourages us when he gives us a word that will bring us and lead us to a place of victory. And God encourages us through his people as we love one another and encourage one another. Will you stand with me this morning? And here's what we're going to do this morning. <clears throat> I was listening to Rod Parsley this week. And he put me under conviction. He said, what in the world is wrong with the church? They're so afraid of COVID that they will no longer anoint people with oil and pray for them for healing in their bodies. He said, what good is a church that no longer prays for its people? And I said, you're right, Rod. And I'm going to do it this Sunday. I'm going to pray for anybody who wants to be prayed for. I'm going to smear oil on your head. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that whatever your need is today, that God will bless you. I'm going to stand right here with the oil. Prayer team, I want you to come over here, some over here, and some over there. And after you've come to me, come to me first. I'm going to lay oil on you, and I'm going to pray for you, and then just move on to the side, to the right or to the left. And if you need someone to pray for you further, then you can just move that way or that way, and we're going to pray. Is that okay with you? I want you to leave here encouraged today because of the power of God and what he is able to do. So as they start to sing, whatever they're going to sing, if you need prayer today, I want you to come and let's pray for you. And we're going to pray that the Lord will encourage you in every way. So go ahead and start singing. Come on. Yes, sir. I will bless the Lord. 
that ventilator completely restored and recovered in Jesus' name. And let her testimony be one of great grace and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Strong time. 